All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So we're talking off air about tipping. Yeah, after it was an interesting segment. segment you just had there. Yeah. Uh, I, I do link the increase in tipping uh, to the pandemic. I mean, I sure. think a lot of us, you and I included, for example, the dining room, we started to tip more because people just weren't making as uh, as much money, in the, particularly in the service industry. I was taken aback, though, your your uh, accounts of uh, getting uh, being requested for a tip for a COVID test, yeah, for a and COVID for an test. oil change, an oil change. I've never had that. The next time I get an oil change, no, I'll, I'll I don't think so. Pay close attention. Am I prompted for a tip? <laughs> I don't think I was last time. No, and and also the what I don't know if you called it tip creep or tip inflation. Yeah, the the prompt suddenly thirty percent is an option, right? Which was unheard of uh, before the pandemic. I think this. Uh, the, the increase in tipping, not only in the number of, uh, in the size of the tip, but the application in terms of broader use of services is linked to the pandemic. What I think, though, is I think a lot, I agree with you. I think more people are tipping because of the mm-hmm. pandemic. I started tipping more, yep. uh, but I wonder if there's a bit of fatigue stepping in now. I think there is. Even in my, I asked myself the other day, do I continue to, to tip 20, yeah. 25% to my yeah. regular coffee shop or do I cut it back a bit? Right. Because, again, at the beginning, it was like me and 10 others were customers. Everybody else was, you know, shut it up in their homes for so long. But now everybody's back out spending freely. Uh, and I wonder where they're tipping to go down. There's also the potential, I think, for a consumer backlash to it as the tip creep, like the more businesses asking and prompting for tips that didn't ask before. Do consumers start to say, look, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm not, not tipping. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think many people are going to give a tip to their mechanic or their carpet cleaner or a COVID <laughs> test. Yeah. No, that's Giving really a tip for healthcare. I mean, that's that's a whole new frontier. Okay. Let's talk about the booster shots. Yeah, big campaign COVID. beginning this week. It really is. So, uh, so our, our vaccination program sort of ground, not ground to a halt, but it got, went very quiet for, for many months because everybody had two or three shots. And in fact, the third dose, getting people who had two doses to get their third dose was a really big mountain to scale. I mean... I think there's 1.3 million people have received invites, invitations to get their their booster dose and haven't taken it up. So now we've got this new vaccine coming in, the Moderna bivalent vaccine, which is particularly effective against Omicron, which is a dominant strain, which is now available for your third or fourth dose, uh, not for your first or second dose. You need you need the regular vaccine for that. And so invitations going 600,000 invitations as of Sunday. And 60,000 appointments this week. So, again, we were doing 5,000 vaccinations a week for, for many months. Now we're talking 60, 70,000 a week. As many people who got their third dose will get uh, a fourth dose. And, again, uh, and starting with the age right now, 60 to 69-year-olds are the first wave of invitees, along with healthcare workers, people with compromised immune systems or vulnerable immune systems, people over the age of 70, and indigenous people. What is the uptake on the boosters? Is there any evidence that people are not getting the booster? Well, yeah. So the, the first booster was a was a pretty good about sixty percent of the population, sixty two percent, I think, when I last checked, got the third dose. But that sort of hit a wall, uh, and it hit a wall a long time ago. And I'm not sure it's going to go much higher. But I think now with the introduction of this this next stage in the vaccination program, I think you will see the third dose numbers increase. And then everyone who got a third dose is likely to get a fourth dose. And then you time it with the flu shot, which is coming in next month. 
So you go get your vaccine vaccination uh, next month. You'll be in a position to get a flu vaccine at the same get, time. At the same time. Yeah. You can get both shots and at once. Pharmac- okay. So there's 1,100 pharmacies, uh, about 100 uh, health authority clinics. So a lot of places that weren't administering vaccinations for a long time are now back in the game. And it's really big, like restarting the vaccination program in a way. Okay, I got my invite on my phone the other day. Yeah. Come and get your Same booster, here. so I'm going to do that. Is that your, that your third shot or your fourth That's shot? That's the fourth, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it'll be your fourth. Fourth, yeah. I'm going to get my fourth soon too, yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the NDP leadership race here yes. now. This is the, replaced, the race to replace John Horgan. Everyone thought David Eby the shoe-in, right? And now he has the competition, Anjalia Parderai, who is a climate change activist running against him. So let's talk about the trouble for her campaign. And by the way, she's going to be a guest on the show here. Very interesting to hear on your show today. So it's a fascinating situation. She's running against the party uh, policy. She's running against the government. She has no, not only does she not have the backing of the caucus, every caucus member I've talked to really opposes her big time. It's an open question whether she could survive a a confidence vote were she to win the leadership. But what do you mean? So if she won the leadership of the party, she wouldn't have a seat. The MLAs would say they wouldn't support her as leader. I think there's a very good possibility that would happen. Mm. Uh, she wouldn't be. Well, then what would happen? Would be in uncharted territory. I mean, she'd still be the leader of the party. She'd be the leader of the party. <clears throat> Not sure she'd be the premier though. So the caucus. Oh. Really, we've learned in past instances the caucus ultimately determines has the final say on leaders. We saw that under Van Zam. We saw that when Dan Miller came in to replace Glenn Clark, the caucus chose the leader. Um, but again, this is a fascinating situation because no support, she has no support. She has active opposition of her caucus members. But she seems to be signing up members uh, from the environmental activist movement, of which right. are you know fair large number of group of people who aren't part of the NDP have opposed the NDP, but now seem to be part of a hostile takeover. Right, and there are now some investigations or reviews. Elections about... BC is investigating her for whether or not they're uh, paying for people's memberships. Right. The NDP has launched their own internal investigation, but they have released no details of what that investigation really is touching on. And it'll be interesting when you talk to her. I would ask her, has she gone through the vetting process that all political parties put their candidates through, whether it's running for as an MLA or an MP or for leadership? Patrick Brown was dumped by the Conservatives for somewhat murky reasons that were never fully explained. Uh, that's the party's right, um, basically right to do that, to take care of their own internal problems. It'll be interesting to see how the NDP deals with this. Now, Anjalia Parderai, she'll be my guest what here at the, at the bottom of the hour, so just after right. the 10.30 news here, so that's coming up this hour. And she was asked by Global News the other day whether her leadership bid was actually effectively a hostile takeover of the NDP by the environmental movement or even the Green Party, because there was an, an email that emerged at one point encouraging Green Party members to yep. take out NDP memberships and vote for her. And here's what she's here's how she answered that. Anjalia Potter, I have a listen to this. My top secret plan is to secure a just transition for BC and to move us away from a fossil fuel future. So that's the that's the big grand secret plan. Okay, so she says that's her secret oh, plan. She's, she's got a lot of MLAs very nervous about her Could plan. Could she win, though? I mean, when this all started, we thought she had no sure, hope. Sure, we said at the very beginning, and when, when the party starts with only 11,000 members, yeah. it's vulnerable to a takeover. You know, look at Pierre Polyev and the Conservatives. What do they have, 600,000 voters? Right. I mean, they grew that party enormously. Now, that was grown by a member of the caucus. Pierre Polyev's a member of the caucus. 
But but the deadline has passed now mm-hmm. to take out an NDP membership and still vote for the new leader, right? So that ship has sailed. It has Correct. sailed, although I understand there's a little asterisk there that if your membership has lapsed, you still have a window oh. to get involved. Now, maybe that's what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, I think the, the party establishment is working feverishly to ensure she does not win. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when, when this is the problem with, um, with mass signups. Uh, we've seen abuses of mass signups in previous election campaigns from all candidates. I mean, the NDP, the Liberals, the Conservatives, there's always controversies about signups. Remember the Liberal the liberal leadership race that uh, Christy Clark was involved in, there were people signing up their, their pets. A cat. Remember, a there, cat. Was a, there was a cat famously a cat signed and a, up. And a dead person yeah. was signed up as yeah. well. Yeah. So these things are open to abuse. Uh, and she's, uh, you know, wouldn't be surprised if there's... Abuses okay. on all sides of the question. All right. I'm looking forward to speaking to her. Yeah. That's coming up at the bottom of the hour here. All right. Real quickly, the backlash against Justin Trudeau. We talked about this yesterday after he was singing Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. in a, a London piano bar on Saturday night. So this is two nights before the Queen's funeral. And some people are saying, this is inappropriate. He shouldn't have been doing that very un prime ministerial so this is not the first time we've had singing politicians so let's go back (laughs) in time here here is brian mulrooney and his famous rendition of irish eyes are smiling with ronald reagan have a listen Okay, a little off key, but that was uh, Mulroney. It was a very famous moment. I mean, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, that was the Shamrock Summit. They called. Yeah, it. Yeah, he, he and Reagan. They got along famously. Those two. Um, again, I the emails I've got on this is like, nah. Who cares? Move on. There's other more serious issues. You want to go after Trudeau? There's a lot of other. stuff. I got emails saying like, this was. Oh, you shouldn't be defending Trudeau on this. He shouldn't have been singing in a bar. Very disrespectful. Well, I don't. Know. I don't think. Okay, so. here's David Eby singing. Okay, this is the oh, guy no. we think is going to be the next premier. Here we'll see. But here he is uh, belting out Bon Jovi. Have a listen to this. So you see, Trudeau wasn't the first one. Well, Evie was in a rock band. Yeah, that's right. Before he went into politics, he was in a rock band. So he's got a history of singing. Now, it would be interesting to ask ask Angelina to sing when when you have her on. Okay, is he living on a prayer right now, trying to win this leadership? (laughs) We'll find out here. All right, Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry is my guest. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Daniel calling from Sydney. Hi, Daniel. Go ahead. Good morning. Yeah, I'm a 45-year member of the NDP, and I'm deeply concerned about this Adipatarai's hostile takeover of my party. You know, the the NDP has always been a social democratic party. We're not that far left as many people would try to make us out to be. We're about where John Horgan is. That's where I think the vast majority of the membership lay. And I can remember, geez, 40 years ago, dealing with Marxist-Leninists trying to infiltrate the party and they get in the boot. Uh, You know, that's just not where we are, and uh, I'm very disappointed to see where this has gone. Well, okay, thank you for that. Well, is it a hostile takeover? I mean, it's a sign-up contest. Whoever gets the most new members signed up the, is the well, winner, basically. One, so, I mean, one, one is, of the flaws what, is he, is, what has EB been doing? Well, has he been asleep at the switch and, here? And that's a very good question. I've heard from New Democrats wondering if he's been too complacent here. Yeah. It is a sign-up contest. I've been long critical of this, this type of approach because parties are vulnerable to takeovers by special interest groups. It's yeah. you, know, you go to a party convention, the old-fashioned way, where delegates would go to a convention. You had to go through a pretty rigorous uh, party 
uh, process where members of the party, uh, not necessarily new members, but people who had a vested interest in a commitment to the party, determined who the leader was. They got delegate status to go to a convention and vote for a leader. They on had to different put ballots. a lot of time and effort into it doing it. It wasn't just simply yeah. signing a piece of paper and that's right. it. And yeah. that's the flaw with, with I think, uh, the Senate process. Not just this race, but previous races as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder, though, like David Eby, did he, was he counting his chickens here? Well, when, when the party starts with only 11,000 members, yeah. that's not a lot of members for, for a political party. I mean, I think the NDP was around 50,000. How many new members have been signed up? Do, we, have they disclosed they that? They have not disclosed the numbers, yeah. but uh, Angelina has talked. She's signed up thousands, she says. Oh. Well, you know, and again, I go back to an MLA telling me that their riding association, checking their memberships on the weekend, discovered that, lo and behold, it had tripled in, the, in August uh, in, uh, during the sign-up period. And as far as they could tell, almost all of them were affiliated with sort of the environmental movement. Oh, boy. Okay. Dale and Kamloops. Hi, Dale. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. Um, just calling about the uh, the tipping. Um, um, I tip, but my issue I, ha- I deal with is when you pay tips, you're paying on what you purchase plus tax. I don't know if I should be doing my 10, 15, 20% on the total amount or just the product I bought. Well, I mean, when you're prompted to tip at a restaurant, are you tipping on the just the food bill or the tax? Well, if there's liquor, you're uh. tipping on the liquor liquor as well because there's uh, there's tax involved in that. Um, but that's a, that's another good point. You know, if you start parsing your tipping down to uh, that degree. That's uh, I'm well, not sure how many people do that. The other thing I've heard from some people is saying like, well, they've heard of some businesses that are already adding incorporate tip the tip yeah. automatically. Yeah. Well, you do that, and um, many restaurants do that when you have large groups. Sure. There's an automatic gratuity, fifteen percent. Yeah. But what I think is interesting in the pandemic is uh, the amount of tips is going up for many people. But I think a lot of people are revisiting. That. That now yeah mike and vernon hi mike go ahead morning guys i got three points i'll make them quick uh first point uh keith you're dead right on uh, the ndp thing and the sign-up stuff there shouldn't be any sign-ups allowed after um a nomination or i mean after elections for a leader has started uh second thing um tipping uh will not tip at uh, oil change places carpet cleaning things like that that's been suggested as a matter of fact if i have to deal with that I won't go back. They've lost my business. The third thing, the prime minister. Look, I get that he's he t- tends to do things in his own way, but this is a respect issue. Um, there needs to be a little bit of decorum and respect in a situation like that. If he was over there for a conference or something, big deal. I don't care. But this is something where you be somber, you're respectful. It was the queen, and that's a, that's what he lacked in this, and that's why he's getting roasted around the world for it. Okay, he he did get some negative press in the UK. There's a headline, I think it was yeah. in the Daily Mail, said that uh, said he was drunk for one thing. I'm not sure if that's no. Where well, that's this from. is great fodder for the tabs over there. Sure, the tabloids love this yeah. stuff. You know, of course they're going to dine out on this. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not sure. At the end of the day, I think issues like affordability are going to be vote determined issues. Have you ever this. been to an Irish wake? Uh, I've been to a few of those. Man, there's some singing has gone on at some of those. Oh yeah, again we go back. This These is are, not an Irish wake, I guess. No, but there's, there's celebrations of life. Yeah, you know, you know. Yesterday, out front of the legislature, everybody's gathering to go on the procession, and the military band was out there. The military band was playing lively music. It wasn't dirge okay. uh, filled music. It was uh, it was lively, happy music. He thanks a lot. Talk to you